Heritage Park Baptist Church, we make apprentices to Jesus Christ. For more information about our church, please visit heritagepark.org. Open our Bibles to the book of Matthew, chapter 9. Matthew, chapter 9. If you don't have a Bible, there's some on the sides of the tech booth. Feel free to go grab one. You can borrow it or keep it as, uh, as you have need. And if you're a user of the Bible app, you can open up that app, find our live event, track along with the scriptures and sermon notes, all that kind of stuff. Uh, is happening right now. So we have, uh, this is part eight and the last one of um, Unashamed. And we've been working and working and working on this, that we would live lives that are unashamed in our worship of God and our witness um, to the world. And so I just want us as a church family to put eyes on uh, kind of anchor verse for us. This is Romans chapter one, verse 16. We would read it together. Um, As soon as we uh, have it ready, Romans chapter one, verse 16. And... There it is. Oh, it's... No? There's a clapper not clapping. Uh, That's my fault. It's my fault. Oh, Mike, you were getting prayed for. That was the problem. Yeah, Mike was up here getting prayed for instead of in the back running slides. I guess we'll let him. Should we let him? Yeah? 50-50? Okay. Okay. It's my fault. Sorry, Mike. I should have kept a longer transition. Uh, So here's Romans chapter 1, verse 16. Let's all put eyes on it. Let's read it together. You ready? For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek, to those who are far from God, the Greek, to those who grew up around the things of God, the Jew. The gospel is the saving news of Jesus. Um, and it is salvation for both of those. It is good news to everybody. So uh, we have anchored um, the, the series in that, and we have tracked these two um, truths. They really run parallel to one another throughout the series. It goes like this. We don't define God for ourselves. We don't have in our minds a God that we can deal with or tolerate um, we, have, we get to uh, and we have to relate to the God who is. And then uh, secondly, uh, as part B of that, we don't define ourselves for God. It's not as if we can wear a mask and pretend like we are not something that we are um, or that we um, are something that we are not. Instead, we get to just relate to God as we are. We relate to God as he is. We don't define God for ourselves and we relate to God as we are. We don't define ourselves for God. So uh, the, the, the portion of that that goes... Um, or the second track of that, that that solidifies this this series for me is that those who experience God's grace deeply express their passion boldly. When this kind of grace soaks into our lives, it then comes roaring out of us, erupting out of us, and it comes boldly. So when we gather in worship, uh, we set aside a pretense, and we set aside worry about what other people are thinking, and we set aside all that kind of stuff, and when that song or that thing or that prayer, that moment, that whatever happens, uh, it comes bursting out of us, and hands get lifted, and voices get lifted, and all sudden knees get bent, whatever it is, um, God, God uh, is honored by that. And so those who experience God's grace deeply express their passion Boldly, that not only shows up in our worship, but in our witness. So uh, we have practically applied this, grab my card here, um, with this Who's Your One initiative that we prayed for earlier. Uh, The idea is simply this, that you and I know someone who is distant from God. We know one person, at least, who is distant from God. And so we are praying for that person, and we are, uh, respond- we are making ourselves responsible, accountable, if you will, to these two questions. Number one, uh, have you prayed for that one today? We'll talk more about that uh, here in just a second. Uh, and then secondly, uh, we uh, make ourselves responsible for this question. Have, uh, what is my next step 
to help them take their next step with God. Why is that important? Because so often people are drawn to Jesus through a process. God just grabs a hold of the rope, if you will, and tugs a little bit, and tugs a little bit, and tugs a little bit, and he pulls them across this bridge of relationship. Uh, He brings them to the truth across the bridge of relationship. And as he's tugging, he's using us. He's using our words. He's using our service. He's using our attitudes. He's using our response. He's using all these things to draw them to himself. So, uh, that's who's your one. If you haven't already uh, gotten your name, uh, man, this would be the week for you to say, man, this is it. I, I know who it is. And you can go grab a card off one of the back tables there, fill it out, stick it somewhere where it's very, very prominent. Mine, I have said, is on my card dashboard. I pray for him every day. Some of you will put him on computer screens. Some of you will put him on uh, bathroom mirrors. You pray for him every day and you think about what it means to take your next step, to help them take their next step with God. Who's your one? So, um, in light of all of that, uh, Matthew chapter 9, we're going to talk about how we pray for our one today. Here we go, chapter 9, verse 35. And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming, don't miss this, if you're an underliner, this would be a great thing to underline, the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. The gospel of the kingdom. So the message of Jesus was what message? The good news of the kingdom. That's the message of Jesus. Now, when he preached, he preached the good news of the kingdom. What is the good news of the kingdom? It is simply this, that there is a better kingdom coming than the one that is now. Does anybody have a kingdom right now that you think, this thing is broken? It is not working. We have issue upon issue. We have problem upon problem. It is not just water mains that are broken and flooding streets around this joint. There is much, much bigger issues and much deeper issues, and that is what is broken. The good news, the reason why Jesus proclaimed the good news of the kingdom is this is what he was saying. The kingdom that is currently is not the kingdom that will always be. It is being supplanted by, it is being replaced by, it is being conspiratorially taken over by the kingdom that is coming. And that is great news. Because his kingdom works. His kingdom is where things are right where things do work. His kingdom is where uh, uh, people flourish. Uh, the, the next verse talks about how he looked out on the crowds and saw them as helpless and harassed like sheep without a shepherd. Um, he, in Jesus' kingdom, people are not helpless and they are not harassed and they do have a shepherd. In our current situation, we do not. That, that's not our current life. But the kingdom that is coming and is inaugurated already That's the kingdom of Jesus, and that's why it's good news. The kingdom that we live in right now, it's not always going to be. So let's talk just, I mean, even more about that kingdom that Jesus has uh, inaugurated for us. It is inaugurated uh, by his death and his resurrection. When we see in baptism, uh, two little sisters go under the water and come back out. Some of you have seen that in your own lives or in the lives of your loved ones. Uh, In the water, come back out. It is a symbol of Jesus' death and his resurrection, his death that he carried um, sins far, far away and his rising so that he gives life and freedom, not just forgiveness, but life and freedom to anyone and everyone who put puts their trust in him. That's the good news. That is the good news. So his kingdom was inaugurated in that way. And so that's really critical because um, the kind of, the kind of beat, the, the, the kind of uh, um, rhythm that flows in the music that Jesus is making through us is that. That, that is, that is the, the, the thing that 
everybody hears is Jesus has died, Jesus has risen, Jesus has died, Jesus has risen. That's the beat that undergirds the whole thing. It's a profound thing that Jesus, that Jesus preached the good news of the kingdom. It's a kingdom that was uh, uh, brought to bear on our lives and continues to be uh, brought to bear on our lives through his death and through his resurrection. And then secondly, the message of Jesus, you see in, at the end of verse 35, he proclaimed the gospel of the kingdom, that's the message, and healing every disease and affliction. His message was accompanied with authority. His message was accompanied with authority. Not only did his death and resurrection uh, meet needs that we, uh, 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 excuse me, not only is the kingdom of God coming, uh, uh, devastating to the, the needs and the situations that we can see, but it also meets the needs that we cannot see, and he does so with a sense of, of power or authority. He heals every disease and every affliction. And some people think to themselves, uh, well, I appreciate that. I, um, I will say this this way to us as a church family. We don't have to believe God will answer every prayer for a miracle to believe that God will answer some prayers for miracles. Are you with me on that? We don't have to believe that God will answer every prayer for some miraculous work to believe that God will answer some of our prayers for miraculous work. And people say, well, uh, I just haven't seen that. I just haven't seen that. Uh, if you uh, follow us on Facebook, we've posted a couple of almost commercial-like um, videos the past couple of weeks where... Um, as we've been in this Who's Your One initiative, uh, I posted one a couple weeks ago. Uh, one of our senior adults was praying for his one. That one was, had, the family situation was, it was a pretty significant medical thing. And uh, uh, that uh, medical thing, they prayed, they told him they were praying. That medical uh, thing uh, worked out for good. And, and our guy was able to say to his one, see, we prayed and God works. And you know what that is? That is God grabbing on the rope through him and pulling a little bit. And that his one is one step closer today. Kyle posted this past week, one of our moms has been missing her one at the bus stop. They just couldn't connect, stuff going on. She's like, God, you got to help me here. I'm trying to pray for this, and this is not working. I don't know how it's not working, but it's not working. And uh, I may mess up a couple of the details here, but they missed a karate class, had to go to a substitute karate class. They walk into the karate class. Guess who's sitting at the table? The one. They had an hour together. Now, what is that? That's Jesus going... Oh, uh, hold on. Let me just take out the iron. I'm just going to take care of this wrinkle right here. I got it. He's just taking care of it. I think the more we seek the kingdom, church family, the more we will see really powerful things like that. We will have story after story, celebration after celebration. Why? Because Jesus says in Matthew 6, you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and you get all the rest of these things added to you. You need power, you got power. You need provision, you got provision. And on and on and on you can go. The more we seek the kingdom, the more we can expect God to do things only uh, that uh, do things that only God um, can do. Okay, so that's the message. Let's let's talk about this group that he sees. Verse thirty-six. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them. Now that's an interesting word. Compassion in the Greek is splankon. Not that you have to know that, or it's going to be on any test at the end of this service. But it's an interesting word because it really relates to your guts, like. Like there is something inside of you when you see a situation, when you see a circumstance that kind of turns over. Anybody ever had that before? Not necessarily sick to your stomach, but you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. Something is churning in here. 
This is that word, splatna. So Jesus, his, something in his gut turned over. That's what it says. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. So let's talk about their condition. When we look at the world around us, when we think about our one, when we think about any number of other situations in which uh, uh, we are attempting to minister, what do we find? We find people who are harassed and helpless and without the guiding hand of a shepherd. That's the condition that we find the world in. Can you think of someone that that would describe? Harassed, they are bothered, they are put down, they are shamed, they are any number of things, um, uh, and helpless. They have been cast off, they have been put away, and they have no guidance, they have no sense of what should be doing. Uh, so the question comes up like, well, aren't they sinners? Yes, 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 it's true. Um, and, and I think that actually invites a little conversation here that, that goes something like this in my mind. Because uh, this could happen to me. When I see sinners doing things that sinners do, um, I, I've been around long enough, I can predict basically where that ends. Some of you have been around that long. Some of you know, like when some people make this choice, this is going to be the outcome. Input A equals outcome B. That, I mean, that's just the way the world works. And so they, they, they put themselves in a ditch and you're like, yep, that's right. That's where that ends up. And in my mind, if I only see their badness, it will invite my judgment. Oh, man, I told them not to do that. They were dumb. I mean, it's not just because I'm smart. They're dumb. Anybody? You see, you see them in their choices, and you see the badness of their choices, and guess what? You, it invites your judgment. Jesus saw them, and he is inviting us to see them, not in their badness, but in their brokenness. And because we see them in their brokenness, it invites what? Our splunkna, our, our guts turn out. It invites our compassion. We see them in their badness. We're like, yep, you stuck it in the ditch. And that's why, shame on you, badness, judgment. You see their brokenness, you're like, man, sin has jacked you up so bad that you, I'm not sure you had another choice. Let me tell you about a different way of life. Let me demonstrate for you. Let me model for you. Let me serve you in some way that something is so radical and different that it, it, it blows your mind. I see them in their brokenness and it invites my compassion. It invites my compassion. As we go about praying for our one, as we go about praying for our one, the temptation will be there to see sinners sinning and go, man, knuckleheads foolish people, idiots, dumb, 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 to see them in their badness. Jesus inviting us, is inviting us to see them in their brokenness and respond in compassion. So how then do we, how do we, how then do we pray? How do we pray for our one? In, li in light of their condition, how do we pray for our one? I just put a few verses together here. You can take a list. You can snap a picture. None of that bothers me. Uh, you can ask later. The notes will be up on the website here shortly after the service. I just wanted to run through a few, okay? See if, I'm not saying this is true for everybody and, and their one, but maybe one of these will connect with you as you think about your one. Uh, Romans chapter eight, verse one. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And so their condition is they are under condemnation. They wear their shame, does anybody have a one who wears a cloak of shame? 
And so the prayer becomes, God, would you bring them into Jesus and bring them out of condemnation and shame? Would you give them a new robe? Give them something else than what they're wearing. This is from uh, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, uh, 3, 4, 5. For I deliver to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ Jesus died according to the scriptures. He was buried. He was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. And then he appeared. He appeared to Cephas and to the 12. So uh, Cephas is Peter. Um, he, he appeared. He appeared. Like there are things that people need to know. Jesus died. He was buried. He was raised. That's, that's good to know. But what needs to happen there is that there needs to be an appearance. Why? Because the condition of these harassed and helpless and without the guidance of the shepherd sheep, because of these people, their condition is they're spiritually blind. And so what do we need Jesus to do? We need him to appear to them. We need him to set himself before their eyes. It's not just a matter of knowing some facts. We need them, we need them to see. And so how do we pray? God, they are blind. Would you help them to see? They're spiritually disconnected and and unable to see the truth. Would you give them light so that they can see? 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. uh, Therefore, if anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation. The oldest come, excuse me, the the oldest passed away, the new has come. God, here's a person, and they've lived this way forever. And the fruit of living this way is they've created a rut that they cannot get out of. We're asking that you, Father, would make something new. Put a new path. Give them new traction. Give them something. Their old is still the same thing. Would you set that aside? And God, would you make them a new creation with something new? That's how you pray. Some of you, that may be your one. This is Galatians chapter 5. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. It is for freedom. Like Jesus didn't die and rise so that we could live in bondage. It was for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, uh, stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. How many of your, don't raise your hand, how many of the people that you are praying for, your one, how many of your one are, are bound, are in bondage, are in addiction, are enslaved to something? God, your prayer becomes, Father, Would you please set them free in Jesus? Let them hear of the freedom that he offers and let them step into that freedom. That's how you pray. Uh, Just a couple more. Ephesians chapter 2. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins. And then my favorite turn in the whole Bible. The whole Bible. This is my favorite turn right here. Paul says, you were dead in your trespasses and sins, which you formerly walked According to the prince of the power of the air, spirits at work and the sons of disobedience, you followed this. You followed and were by nature children of wrath. Children of wrath. And then he says in in verse 4, this is the best part of, but God. Just, I mean, that was us. We were dead in our sins. We followed God's sworn enemy. We lived according to how we wanted to and were enjoying our own death. But God. Because he is so rich in mercy for you and for me. And because he has a love that is indescribably great. Didn't make us better people. What did he do? He made us alive together with Christ. It is by grace you have been saved. 
We're talking about boldness, man. Like, I was dead, now I'm alive. Like, that ought to light something inside of us. And that's how we pray. That's how we pray for our one. We say, God, they are spiritually dead. Would you clear the room, grab the paddles, and go clear? Get them. They need a power from outside of themselves to make their heart beat. That one's been a little dear to me, could you tell? Philippians 1, verse 6. And I I am sure of this. I put this one in here because some of you have been praying for your one. It wasn't hard for you to identify your one. Some of you have been praying for your one a long time. And that rope that God is using to draw them is 30 years long. For I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. And how do you pray? God. I see the work that you're doing. I know, I know you're at work. You've been at work decades now, a couple of decades worth. You've just been drawing, drawing a little handhold at a time. You've just been pulling. God, I'm asking that you would help them to cross that bridge into the truth and life that you have for them. Bring this work to completion. Don't give up. God's not going to give up. Uh, last one, 1 John chapter 4, verse 10. And this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us. Thankfully, he loved us. And sent his son to be the propitiation, to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins, that pays for our sins and purchases favor with God. This is what love is. How many of you and your one, the person that you're praying for, has no idea of what true love actually looks like? God, I pray that you would, this is the prayer. God, I pray that you would help them to know what real love is. And that you gave it to them in Jesus. I would just... How do we pray for our one? In light of their condition, they're spiritually dead, they're spiritually blind, they are loveless, uh, they, they uh, are, are still distant from God, although he's been at work. They are old and not new, and on and on. We, they are in bondage instead of freedom. In light of that condition, in light of their harassed and helpless state, like sheep without a shepherd, we pray these kinds of things. And that leads us um, to the last little section here. Verse 37, Uh, then he said, Jesus said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. The workers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers, workers into his harvest. Prayer. Prayer. Jesus' response to the condition of the people that he was looking at was prayer. And he called other people to pray and not pray like every so often pray, not pray like, eh, I mean, just when you think about it, pray, just when God brings it to mind, pray, pray what? Earnestly. That's what he says, earnestly. That's why, church family, the very first question on this card, the very first thing that we are making ourselves accountable to and we are taking responsibility for is what? Is prayer. Because we're in a spiritual fight, folks, not a physical one, not a relational one, not a social one, not a political one. We're in a spiritual fight. Therefore, we wage war with spiritual weapons. The very first thing we need to do is? The very first thing we need to do is? We need to pray. We need to pray. That's right. His response to their condition was prayer. The harvest is plentiful, but the labors are few. Workers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly. And what was the prayer? Here's what... Pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. He says in another place, same passage, uh, he says, I want you to lift up your eyes and see it. And then you pray 
that God would send people out. So lift up your eyes and see it. And then God would send people out. The, the prayer is for workers to see it, to see this harvest, and to be sent out into it. That, that's the prayer. And so how, how does that practically look? As we pray these kind of things, how does that practically look? I just, uh, these four, I just, again, highlight a couple of them um, from the New Testament. 1 Corinthians 16, verse 9. A wide door, a wide door for effective work has been opened to me. And honestly, I should have put a dot, dot, dot right there and just left the rest of it hanging. But what's the rest of it say? You will face, there are many adversaries. You will face opposition when you step into this. You will. I don't want to tell you a little less than the truth. You will. But Jesus wins. So we pray, God, would you open up a wide door for effective ministry? I know that there are bad guys out there. I know there are adversaries, but help me. Help me to live in a way that's honorable to you. Ephesians 6, verse 19, it's very similar. That words may be given to me, that words may be given to me. So God, I'm stepping out into this. I'm asking you would put words in this mouth of mine so I can speak these things, to opening my mouth to boldly proclaim the mystery of the gospel. Not some namby-pamby response, not some worry about rejection, but instead, God, I want to boldly proclaim the truth of who you are and what you've done. Uh, this is uh, Colossians chapter 4, verse 3, that God may open to us a door. So we're praying for an open door um, for the word, like uh, the karate class thing. Like, God, I just, I need a door. And Oh, well, watch this, karate class. Um, a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ. God, would you just open something up for me? Last one, 1 Thessalonians 2, verse 4. We've been approved by God. We, ha- we have been approved by God f- to be entrusted, to be entrusted with the gospel, this good news of Jesus. To do what with it? So we speak. So we speak. Not to please men, but God. We, we speak the good news of Jesus. That's, that's, that's how we pray. God, would you help us to see? We're praying for workers to see the harvest and to be sent. And then we become the answer to our own prayer. How, how are we sent? How are we sent? Tell this little story, and we'll take communion together. Uh, yesterday was soccer day for Team Henderson. Uh, my oldest daughter, she loves her some soccer. So guess what? Her dad loves him some soccer now, too. Uh, so we're cruising uh, across Houston because, you know, apparently there's no soccer fields on our side of town. Uh, we're going across Houston to play in Sugarland yesterday, and uh, we're rocking along. Um, we have a family Spotify account. Um, and, um, she has her own list on there that she calls my jams. So I'm like, that's cool by me. We crank up my jams. And so, uh, it's, it's an eclectic mix makes dad so proud. Uh, there's some Elton John on there. There's some Billy Joel on there. There's some, uh, sister sleds. There's Gloria Gaynor. I mean, there's all of that. And then you've got, um, uh, some girl, uh, uh, like girl power songs. So all of this stuff I can live with this stuff I tolerate. And then there's some, um, uh, like Christian hip hop stuff on there, which is kind of like her pregame hype jam, you know, like, so we just crank it up. So I, some of you, when you get in a car and music comes on, you become the world's greatest air instrumentalist. Are, am I, are you with me on this? Who, which of you are air instrumentalists in your car? Raise your hand real high. Don't, no shame. No shame. I mean, you can rip the guitar solo in your favorite song. You know when Phil Collins breaks down in the air tonight, you can blast that drum little bit right there. I mean, you can let it go. Your steering wheel has dents. We're not instrumentalists. We're dancers. 
I know you cannot imagine such. But the truth is, is that the bottom half of my body has to drive, so the top half can dance, right? So I'm not completely uncoordinated. And so in, in our, yesterday we're cruising across, jamming the beltway, my jams, we're rocking, dancing, multiple people we pass, a few pass us, and all along the way we get this like, what are y'all doing in there? Because there is something happening, like we're jamming, right? And they do not understand what is causing us to move the way that we move. Fantastic. I'm thinking about that on the way back and thinking about you. And I thought, how do, we, how do we go into the harvest? And the answer is d- dancing. It, like dancing to music that other people can't hear yet. But, but what's the invitation? Hey, come, come listen. <laughs> like, come get in this groove with us. Come hear the music of the kingdom. Come hear the music of the kingdom. The music of death and resurrection. The music of wholeness and freedom and life. That's the music we're grooving to. Come hear that with us. We're at the point here in our service where we pause And we kind of strip away all the other instrumentation. And we hear just the basic beat of Christianity. Jesus has died and Jesus has risen. He has died in our place and for our sins. And he has risen for our life and freedom. We come to communion to hear that in a fresh way.